Welcome back to the Superhero Ethics Podcast. This is part two of our discussion on Luke Cage and identity. I'm Matthew Westfox, and I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Christopher Hoppe. So what, what, in, in terms of like a show needing to be this or needing to be that or not needing to be those things, um, Eddie Huang, who's the uh, creator or one of the two creators, I guess, of um, Fresh Off the Boat, which when... When I when I told my wife the title of that, she was like, "Yeah, I don't want to watch it. That's really <laughs> insulting." I was like, "Well, it's written by a Chinese guy, and that's like his, you know, the title of his book that he gave it." And she's like, "All right, we can watch it." And then we watch it, and it's just it's funny. It's a good show, but like he doesn't watch it, right. right? The creator of the show doesn't watch it because he really wanted to make like a Showtime, HBO, Netflix type story that you know, um, where where stuff is a little more real, you know, and what they made was a, a family sitcom for ABC right. that has Chinese characters, you know, and, um, and it is, there are elements that are very true to, um, you know, Chinese culture, and they do handle a fair amount of those points. But they also tell a lot of just sort of generic, like, you know, mom and dad, and, you know, this is like, you know, the sort of lessons that kids learn and blah, blah, blah. Yep. And, you know, but it does it successfully because it's funny, right? Um, but it might not be funny to everybody. But Eddie Huang's point was like, look, you know, I'm not watching the show because, like, it's not really what I want it to be. But that does, I don't want anyone, you know, particularly Asian Americans to feel like, you have to watch this show, you have right. to not watch this show, you have to like this show, you have to dislike this show. Because, like, just because it's the only show on TV, you know, where the main characters are Asian American. And, like, now it's not, right? Um, now there's, like, Dr. Ken. There's um, the Master of None. And so in just a year or two, it's like all of a sudden it's not the only show, like, representing uh, a very large group of people. Um, and that's great. But also just I think that message that, like, look. Like, like what you like, dislike what you dislike, watch what you want to watch. And as there's progressively more and more representation, um, you know, that sort of gives you more room to, like, dislike the one show that's maybe about the person who looks like you. Oh, yeah. Because I, then there's another show about a person who looks like you. I, I think that, um, well, actually. There's or a maybe great, who is like you. There's a great counterexample that I want to mention, but I also think I, I want to just. And, I, I'm on kind of dicey is, ground. Is it the Big Bang Theory? <laughs> no, 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 it's not. I oh, promise. But I, okay. I, I want to say I'm on a little bit of dicey ground here. I recognize because I don't okay. want to sort of out someone else. But I, sure. I think it's interesting as you told that story. Um, I, you know, and I know that your wife is is Chinese American, right. which yeah, I think yeah. you know. And I, I just right. I guess the audience doesn't. Know. Yeah. Well, I, just, I was just like, I wasn't sure if you intentionally didn't say that or if you just you know. Over, but, but I do think oh. that that's really kind of relevant yeah. to the story you were telling. Um, indeed. Um, but but the other thing I was going to say about identity thing is, uh, for a great example of why it's so problematic when it's only just one, there have been some fantastic articles written by black folks of our generation who grew up watching The Cosby Show. Um, uh, and, yeah, because yeah, I think I, and I, there's one in particular that I'll see if I can find it. I'll link to it in the show notes, but I'm not sure if I can dig it up again. But it he, he really told this really powerful story about how you know, that was the only show on television when he was growing up that showed a black middle class family that was like, this could be about me. Right. And that, you know, Bill Cosby, because of that, you know, had this almost like, you know, really important role. And that they, he talked about, like, there were times he didn't like the show, but he felt like he sort of had to because, like, mm -hmm. that was the show for him. Everything right. else wasn't for him. And now Bill Cosby, we realized, is this pretty horrific, like, you know, uh, rapist. 
Right. Um, and he just talks Pretty about horrific. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. No, you know, no, I know. You know exactly what yeah. I mean. I know. What you mean. Um, um, and and I and he talked about like it was just it was such an incredible blow for him because like this was the you know this this was a person who had carried so much weight, and and that that's the problem when there's only one person to carry that weight. Yeah. You know, and I. That's to me what makes me happy about Luke Cage because I feel like we're really moving beyond the tokenism of let's have a black member of the Avengers, but we're really mm-hmm. getting to you know like to me like we have Luke Cage and soon we're gonna get Black Panther, you know. So now right. we're gonna get right. the African American experience and we're gonna get the African. Well, we're not we're gonna get a completely fictionalized African experience, but right, right, right. But why the hell? But not? Yeah, yeah. That's not an Black Panther is not African American. He's African. Well, and he's from a completely he's not like. No one's right, going to be able right. to He's say, I now know what it's like to be Senegalese because it, no, it, right. but even in that is wonderful because it's saying yeah. like, you know, 20 years ago, you might've said like, look, there's never anyone telling stories about Africa. We have to tell stories about real Africa, not this right. one. And they'd be right. But now we are getting great things, you know? And so mm-hmm. like, we can tell a story about a complete, because we tell stories about completely made up white countries all the time. So, right. Well, it's like the complaints about, um you know, uh, Westeros or whatever, or like in Game of Thrones. And it's like, well, you know, why aren't there any black people? Oh, well, it's the Middle Ages. It's not the Middle Ages. Right. It's some other place. Like, you can have those characters look like whatever you want them to look like. That's obviously a choice to make them, you know, look white and sound British. Yeah. No, I remember there was a, a great panel I saw on Star Wars, and, and one person pointed out that that was one of the things they loved most about the new Star Wars movie is like, you know, as great as the original trilogy was, it seemed to imply that you could have like, um, you know, um, Jawas and like crazy and Greedos and crazy creatures, but you couldn't have black people fly spaceships, uh, except right, Lando right. Carusian, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But there's a lot more. Like there was there was one Asian American woman on the um, on the panel, and she talked about. It. She's like, "Oh my God, there's a black person fighting a starfighter. There's an Asian person flying a starfighter. I never right. thought I'd see this. You know." Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I I love to see more of that kind of stuff. So, um, um yeah, go ahead. I no. know we're getting getting close to our uh, about eighty minute yeah. ninety minute limit, but uh, uh, what what else do you want to make sure we covered? Well, there's Daredevil and Iron Fist, but maybe we can leave them for another day. Uh, with Daredevil, obviously there there is the you know him being blind, but that's sort of in the genre of like disability as superpower. Yeah, and I, I will say a bit about this. Uh, as, as a disabled person, like, I, I like, I like, like, I think there's a great thing, but I but I, I do feel like if someone were to say to me, like, oh, well, Luke Cage is the black show and Daredevil is the disabled show, I, I, would, right. I would push back. Because, yeah, I think, yeah. like, as great, I love Daredevil. It is not a show about the disabled experience because you're right. It's all about the, like, you know, disability as superpower instead of disability as disability. Um, right. And I, to me, one of my, my favorite examples of this, um, not that I need more reasons to slam on the early prequels, but is Ninja Yoda. Um, oh, right, right. I, one of the reasons that I loved the original Star Wars movies uh, is Yoda. I mean, there's so many great things about him. But I, I really liked the idea that he is this, like, mostly broken-bodied person. You know, he's old, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he walks with a cane, um, and yet he still has incredible mental power to both be incredibly wise, but also, you know, to like lift the, 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 swamp, right, lift the spaceship, lift the X-wing out of the swamp, you know, with his mind even. And like, it's just wonderful idea of like the power of the mind to overcome the body. 
Mm-hmm. And and I wasn't disabled at the time, but when I became disabled, that was something I thought about a lot. It was like, yeah, I might use a wheelchair. Yeah, I, I might use crutches. But, you know, Yoda used a cane, so so no big deal. Right. And and then we saw Yoda throw away the cane and be this bouncing CGI. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's just such bad movie making. <laughs> um, it's almost Zack Snyder-esque. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Checked it <yeah>. off. Um, <laughs> but... But even beyond that, it's just it it it. Here's my identity politics as a disabled person. It really bothered me because I do want to see more. Um, I, I I don't even remember what it was called, but there was a, a Jessica Alba sort of superhero show in the '90s. Um, Dark Angel. Dark Angel, yeah. Yeah. And like her like best friend and and like really like helper person was a person in a wheelchair, and I remember liking that because like this person, you know in a wheelchair was able to do great things, you know? And I know you've talked a bit about um, uh, Barbara Gordon, you know, after she uh, becomes disabled because yeah. of Joker, Oracle. you know, becoming that. And I think, like, yeah. I, I'd love to see stories like that, you know? Daredevil, I think, is a great story. It's not, you know, no blind person is going to, like, um, you know, be aware of the, the Daredevil um, show and be like, that's a character who speaks for me. Well, I, I'm not blind. I don't want to speak for that experience, but that's what I'd imagine. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it is interesting that Daredevil was actually the first show on Netflix, I believe, to have, um, what is it, a descriptive audio. Yeah, and that that, Be- that is awesome. Because it came out and it didn't, and there were there were a lot of uh, blind people or advocates for blind people who were like, you know. How, how so do you have a you show, about a show about us? Blind, right, that we can't, you know, watch or right. enjoy or listen to. Um, and so they're like, you know what, you're right, we'll fix that. <laughs> And obviously, I don't think there's a, I don't know, maybe there's there's a sort of like, sort of fantasy relating, you know? Yeah, of that, like, that's definitely uh, possible. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I can't speak for that. Um, but I it, it very clearly is not like, you know, a show about like, you know, someone who happens to be blind and then like deals with that and then then does whatever else. It's like somebody who happens to be blind and then gets superpowers that make their blindness virtually irrelevant because right. they can like smell color, you know? Right. Um, Which, and again, I mean, that that's, I think it would be very hard to, sh- you can actually smell color, but anyway, <laughs> it, it would be hard to show this in a TV show. And I, I don't fault them too much for not going this route, but I think they're like, you know, I, I, I do part of having a disability is that it, I'm, I'm being, trying to be very careful not to speak as though I know what the blind experience is, but yeah, Part of having a disability means that you do see the world in different ways and you do have different experiences. And I know I've certainly heard from many blind folk when they say that, like, you know, that the, that losing vision makes you more aware of other senses and gives you a different way of perceiving the world. And, and it's, it's hard to show that in TV, but I think they are trying to establish that with Daredevil, that he is mm-hmm. a character who perceives the world differently. Yes. Um, I think the way they've set it up as such a superpower means that it, like you said, it's it's basically just sight plus instead of being different. Right. Um, but they it, do they do communicate a little bit that it is different. There are things yeah. that he doesn't quite see that you know sighted people see, but then there are tons of other things that he perceives that right. You know. Well, and that alone is, and maybe I'm even backtracking a little bit here. You know. So much of the disability rights movement is about the idea of like differently. A- I, the term "differently abled" makes me roll my eyes a little bit, mm, just because. Yeah. It, but I, but I really understand the point of it. Is saying like, what we need to get away from is assuming that like 
the traditional understood idea of a healthy body is the default and anything different from it is broken. That right. it can actually be like a difference, you know, because in the same way that saying like white is the default and everything else is different is really problematic. Then yeah. Okay, like some people have eyes that work in this way. Some people have eyes that work in a different way or that don't work in that way. You know, getting away from the idea of one is the default and one is broken. Right. Um, and I'll also just again throw a huge shout out. Like it just, it, I, I don't even know if it was intentional because of this conversation, but it just made me so happy to see the actor who played Butchie that blind actor oh. in this show. Um, yeah, me it was too. Just like, a my my wire heart just was happy for it, but also mm-hmm. like you know, given the Netflix stuff, like having a blind actor, because you know, because I think this this is another part of the disable of the whole identity question is like, what you know, do you cast an actor of that identity to play that role? You know, right. Um, and if they're going to be Daredevil and doing backflips and these things, like, maybe not. Right. I mean, there, I, I think it would be really difficult to do that. But, like, you know, pl- you know, there have been conversations about, like, you know, casting uh, a cisgendered actor to play a transgendered character. Sure. You know, that yeah. becomes really problematic. Or, like, you know, casting casting a character who isn't necessarily of one, you know, like, when mm-hmm. they cast, this is going way back, you know, but, like, casting a white actor to play Gandhi, you know, and just right, making right. him look that that's really problematic, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'll say that I think all of those things are things that if we had like thousands of Indian characters or we had, you know, tons of transgender characters all over and we had a lot of transgender actors playing cisgendered characters, honestly, I don't, I don't think that would be very problematic. Um, the way that now (laughs) I'm going to just like hug the third rail, like, (laughs) I, I don't think blackface should be problematic in a perfect world. Mm-hmm. Like, I think actors should be able to dress up or have CGI or whatever to look like whatever. But the problem is twofold. One, obviously, um, there is a history of just horribly, horribly racist um, usages of, you know, said blackface and brownface and yellowface and all these things. And then two, there's also um you know historically been a uh paucity of roles for people of color and so if you then just give all those roles to white actors and you also give all the white actor roles to white actors like right you end up with you know a, a problem no i i think that's true and i think i i you made me pretty nervous with the blackface comment but i <laughs> but i appreciate the way you said that yeah that in that perfect world we're so far away from that. Yeah, we, we don't live there. Because just the very term, I mean... Well, you wouldn't call it blackface. You yeah, just exactly. call it makeup. I yeah. mean, the same way, like, why can a young actor play an old character? You right, know? yeah. But why yes. can an old ca- actor play a young character? Like, it's right. it's acting, right? Yeah. Theoretically, there shouldn't be anything wrong with any given actor playing any given character if they can successfully do that. The problem comes with all the context that we have. Right. Well, and I, I, I think there's two things. Very there. real and serious problems. One of which I think is that it, part of the context is like, you know, the, the black, like to take just that one example, the black experience is one that that's a story that what we have is a lot of stories of white people telling their understanding of the black experience, you know, right. which is, you know, and so like black characters, like there, there was a great quote, um, uh, by the woman, I think it was by her, who she won an Oscar for um, the movie Six Years a Slave. 
I'm terrible with numbers. Twelve years a slave. Twelve years a slave. Thank you. <laughs> Six um, years a slave. The shorter version. <laughs> um, but yeah, but she said like you know I I'm, I'm thrilled to have won, but or, or, or to be nominated. Or, my memory is terrible yeah. for these things. But but the point she was making was look at the fact that almost everybody who has been nominated for an Oscar who is a black actor was playing a slave, an athlete, or a cop, or a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because that's the white understanding of that experience. And so, right. in that context, I'm very nervous about, you know, white people playing black roles because I, I, I'm like, I don't know if you can speak to that experience. But, 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 yeah, but even more, I think, is the other point you're saying um, of, like, if we were in a world where there were all of these roles and so all these actors could get jobs... And I think here, here's the important part, and again, to swing back to Luke Cage, <clears throat> excuse me, why I think Luke Cage is so important. There's kind of this middle school dance thing that Hollywood does of saying like, well, you know, if there was a big name black actor, we would cast him for this part, but there isn't, so we're going to cast Tom Cruise, even though it could be a black guy in that role. But but it's a chicken and the egg thing because like yeah. you, you never create the roles for black people to be in, and so the black people are never big enough unless they're Will Smith to be in the white roles, you know? And then right, because right. you have... Or Will, Denzel Washington. Yeah, I mean, he's at that there's, point, too. There's, like, two, you know? <laughs> if you're going older, Morgan Freeman, although he's always... It was Wesley Snipes, you know? But, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's... But, yeah, but well, it, it, it's, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a chicken and the egg thing, and, and Hollywood is able to sort of be like, well, you know, it's not our fault. Um, and, again, it's what... I, it, it makes me... You know, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time watching Supergirl, even though I, I really don't like the show. Yeah. Not even just its politics. I just think it's terrible writing. It's not very good. Um... <laughs> But but I want it to succeed because I'm I'm so sad that Agent Carter didn't and I want yeah. it to succeed. In the same way I want Luke Cage to succeed. And I'm I'm I, every minute we're on this podcast, I'm like, damn it, I could be watching more Luke Cage. <laughs> it's but I don't think he's gonna have a problem, but I, I really hope it succeeds. Because yeah, it's I mean it has so many great parts in it. Um and, and circling back to, you know, earlier I was praising the fact that like it has some great actors from the wire, and I think that's fantastic. But that's also because well, The Wire is one of the only shows that had a lot of black actors showing a lot of different parts of the black experience, you know? Right, um, true. And so maybe, like, not coincidental that it has a lot of the actors in the show are ones I've seen before. And that's both great, but it's also because there's just not that many chances for them to get roles, you know? So, like, the, and I think Black Panther is going to be the same. There's going to be, I, I think it, it's an almost an entirely bl- uh, people of color cast. Um, yeah, this and is, and plenty of wire alum, I'm sure. Yeah, probably, probably. So yeah, so I need to pause. Okay. All right. Uh, so what was the last thing you said? I don't even remember. Oh, just, okay. just oh, why that? I think Luke Cage is so important because of this idea. Oh, of, like, right. It's creating more black roles, and it's creating more you know yeah. chance for black more black actors to shine. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think hopefully it it's you know we we talk about the Bechtel test and how important that is, which is the idea that like. You look at a movie like just the simple idea of like, is it a movie in which two women have a converse? Two women who both have their their characters have names and they have a conversation that isn't about a man, and it like right. it sounds so ridiculous until you realize how many movies don't pass that test. Yeah. Um, and people have talked about having similar tests about, um, you know, in terms of people of color. Um, and like Pacific Rim was a great example because it 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 was so good about that. Um, mm-hmm. and this I think is it you know. It's not about white people, and it's not. A, it's about black people, like not fa- doing things about white people, you know. And I just, I love that, and I think that's a good thing. And I, um, whatever else we can say about identity politics, to me, this is identity politics at its best. Um, 
especially because to kind of circle back to the conversation we're having a long time ago, I I can imagine a situation where I'm talking to someone, a white guy at a at a comic book store or whatever, a Magic the Gathering uh, event that I go to, and he's been kind of turned off by Black Lives Matter. He's saying something about that, and I can say to him, "Well, wait, but you love Nick Cage, Luke Cage, right?" Um, Nick Cage, goddamn it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and and he I, he'll say, "Yeah, like I love Luke Cage," and I can start talking to him about Luke Cage, and that can build a connection for him that might help him to better understand where the Black Lives Matter movement is coming from. Um, right. I don't think that's the point of the show, and it doesn't have to be, but I think it could be one hell of a good side effect. Yeah, and, and so I, I I guess I would say that's where I think, you know, representation and diverse representation within uh, TV or anything is, uh, is very beneficial. Right. And um, th- so... All right, let's talk about Iron Fist, and okay. then we're probably going to chop this episode into halves. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or we'll just make it one two-hour episode, because people sure. love hearing us talk, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, because there's one more thing after Iron Fist that I'd like to mention. And Iron Fist is going to be a kind of like a little bit of a backwards thing, but also. Okay. Um, so when they cast Iron Fist, and it was like, you know, I think you sent me a message of like, they cast Iron Fist, and it's like a blonde white guy. And I was like, good, you know? Right. Um. Which was my response because that's the character in the comics. That's the character in all the adaptations I've seen. And I think it's always fine to have a character be who that character was um, in terms of whatever they look like or whatever. Um, that's not to say that I think it's bad to like take Deadshot, Floyd Lawton, and have Will Smith play him. Right. You know, that's not that I think it's bad to have. Um, you know, a another ghostwriter who's, I think, Robbie Reyes, right, right. instead of uh, uh, Johnny Blaze, and they exist in the same universe. Uh, and, I mean, DC's done a ton of... They've taken a ton of characters who were previously white, and they've made them black. Marvel's done it, like, once or twice, I think. Right. Right? I mean, they did it with Nick Fury. Um, and, like, that's about it. They, there might be some other examples they did take um what's her name uh hogarth right and made hogarth a woman in uh in jessica jones which i think was uh very interesting and i think it really helped the show and a a gay woman yeah a gay woman yeah Yeah. um and i think that definitely worked but that said like if they kept that character of a male i don't think that would have been like bad but so just to go back to like when i said good about iron fist like really after discussing it more i think i would revise my answer to be like okay you know uh which because you know you'd raise the the possibility that he could have been like a fifth generation american uh, asian american or whatever um and like i don't think that would have been bad really Mm -hmm. like thinking about it you know, but uh, at the same time, I don't think that necessarily would have been better. And I do think that while, yes, there are cultural, you know, aspects to the character that I understand people have problems with, I think the insistence that, like, this great martial artist, like, has to be, like, 
Asian American instead of being like a white blonde American uh-huh. is like kind of problematic in its own way. Well, so let me, let me talk a bit about that. And I'm going to talk a bit about um, uh, uh, the Iron Fist character in comparison to the issue around Doctor Strange. Um, because mm, okay. I, I, I do think, I think, I'll say this. I was disappointed that they didn't change the character in yeah. Iron Fist. I think changing the character in Doctor Strange is significantly worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so first let me just talk about Iron Fist. I think... Okay. Can um, I just respond to your word disappointed? Uh-huh. I think that's a great word to use mm. for a situation like this because I think having the hope that they would change it, like, I can understand that, yeah. you know? And being disappointed that they didn't, that's like, okay, you know? But it's specifically, it's like the outrage that like I was taken aback by that I'm like what? really like outrage. And once you hear again, I, I will say so. So there's a couple things there. Like I yeah I I chose the word disappointed intentionally because I think I I think it's a missed opportunity and I feel like the and and but to the rage point like I I again that there it's the microaggression thing. Like I am not an Asian American who has dealt with like very not not seeing my culture represented very often or seeing it often represented. Because I think the problem with the Iron Fist story, and, and and here's the issue: anytime you're like, you know, you're telling a story that's set in a very different time, often with some kind of problematic ideas, you know, is that it's very much the kind of white savior or like the, you know, the white person who goes off to the mystical Orient and learns the mystical things and comes back. Right. Um, and there's a lot problematic in that kind of a story, and I think you, you there could have been something really great about. You know, make you. I think you could have told that same story by making that character Asian or Asian American, and and so in that regard, like if they well, you can't tell the same story by having them just be Asian Asian, right? No, I mean because like this character's from Hell's Kitchen, right? The story is about someone who is is alien to that culture, and I think so. You could you could tell it, but you could tell it about an Asian American, um, or a a European American, or anything, or European Asian, or whatever it was, right? Um. So, so it, there's an element to which, like, if they had made, if Deadshot had been played by Tom Cruise instead of Will Smith, I wouldn't have been disappointed. Well, I mean, I think Will Smith's a better actor than Tom Cruise, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, I wouldn't have been disappointed in a, oh, why couldn't they have made Deadshot black? Because like, there's right, nothing right. about like, no. more more black characters is good, but there's nothing about the Deadshot character that is specifically like it, it really shouldn't be a white guy. Right. The the Iron Fist character, there is an element of like I specifically I think it would be better for it not to be a white guy. They didn't make that choice. I'm disappointed. For me personally, it doesn't raise to the level of outrage. But again, for someone who is just you know Asian Americans, especially like Asian American men are almost never sexualized. You know, in mm-hmm. and I, I the word sexualized well, often well, has bad connotations. I, what I more mean is like Asian American men as romantic sexual like lead characters. Is, is almost never shown like that particular demographic, and, I, and yeah. there's a lot of. Although it, go ahead. There's, there's a lot of like like reasons why that is, and a lot of reasons why it's problematic. So like again, against that kind of a backdrop, I don't have the outrage, but I can understand where the outrage is coming from, and I can't really be mad about it. Yeah, um, just as far as like a character being sexualized, like I think Iron Fist is not the character you are looking for. Oh yeah. I mean that, you know, that, well, and there again, so, so like, and that's just where I feel like, 
honestly, I feel like taking that character and making them Asian American like could have worked, but it also kind of is as problematic as having that character be a blonde dude. Like, just because it's like, it's Iron Fist is such a stereotypically kind of Asian character that I almost feel like having a white character who is like that is like in some ways like the idea that that the idea that someone who say happens to have ancestors who are from a particular place somehow has like more right or connection to that culture like i i just i find that really offensive um, I, I, I mean, there I'm going to push back a lot because I think it's it's not just a question of ancestors. You know, I mean, these things do stay in culture. And, like, you know, a person might be fifth or sixth generation in this culture. Mm-hmm. They're still going to deal with all the racism and, and stereotypes that, like, people, you know, that, that, that someone who is, to use that phrase, fresh off the boat, you know, right. in Afri- uh, from Asia is going to deal with. So so I, I would disagree with you there. Um but but I think it, more specifically, I think what is but what, but that doesn't give them more like right to the possession of that culture. I I think it does. I mean, I think it. it okay. It, well, I don't. It, it well, but but but, and, and so maybe you're going to disagree with this point as well. Yeah. I like um. Well, don't let let me make the point before you. Disagree no 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 no. With no. It. I, yeah yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm pessimistic. <laughs> I've registered my pessimism. Go he, ahead. Here's the thing. Like, I respect your opinion on whether or not it would be more problematic to make him Asian or not. But frankly, I'm going to, I'm going to have an, an Asian person's perspective. I'm probably going to take more seriously because like that's someone who, and, 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 and so like, yeah, like if there was like, um, you saying actually it could be harmful for the Asian population to, you know, um, to make this character Asian, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to, but like if an, you know, then an an Asian activist is like, listen, you know, like, um, as an Asian, I feel like it would have been problematic to do that. That's a, that's a position I'm going to give more credence to, which isn't to say that I'm going to let ever let one person speak for a whole group because that's tokenism and that's just as problematic. But that's where I think that identity issue comes in of like, you know, in the same way, like you might have some thoughts on the best ways to advance disability politics. But frankly, I think that's a situation that I have more right to speak to than you do because I'm connected mm. to it. Um, right. And I might feel that a person who has five generations in America isn't really connected to the actual Chinese experience. But if that person tells me that they are, I don't really feel like it's my place to tell them they're wrong, you know, because then I'm policing their identity and their experience. OK, so that I agree with. But now here's something I'll say <laughs> that you probably will disagree with. OK. I don't think that it's fair for you to have an opinion on what my connection is Mm -hmm. to that culture or any given culture. Like, to make assumptions that someone who's grown up, you know, with pale skin, with predominantly European ancestry in New York or whatever things... To make an assumption that, therefore, say I couldn't have um, as much sort of affinity for particular aspects of particular cultures that 
I might not have grown up in, but we're talking about someone else who also didn't grow up in that. And if, if you're talking about the, um, discrimination that someone might've faced, sure. Right. Um, obviously that's, that's going to be different depending on, on how a person looks and how, how the people around someone perceive them. But the idea that just because like, I don't feel like I have more affinity for Irish culture than I do for say Asian martial arts culture specifically. I don't, right. You know, I mean, I do have some affinity for Irish culture. Cause like, you know, I, my, my grandmother, right. Like she, one of her, one of her neighbors once asked her if she was Irish or Scottish cause her, her name was McCullough. Uh-huh. Um, and she was, uh, she was part Native American too, but, um, but she said, well, you know, I'm, it's Irish, right? She's like, Oh, McCullough, is that Irish or Scottish? She said, it's Irish. And the neighbor said, Oh, well, you don't have to tell people that dear, like you could pass for Scottish, right? You know? And, and so like, yeah, there's some little sort of this familial, like, well, you know, my mom told me that story that her mom told her. And so there's this kind of memory of discrimination to whatever extent, which, you know, obviously, as bad as the Irish, you know, anti Irish discrimination was it, it, it pales in comparison to I mean, it, many it, other. It, it's an inappropriate and yet very appropriate word for exactly that reason. Right, well, exactly. And, and, and I hear your point. I would say one kind of pushback, but also one place where I really agree with you, is that mm-hmm. um, a little bit of pushback is that I think part of this is an issue of privilege. Like I think, and I, again, I don't want to speak for you, but I'll, so I'll just speak from my own experience. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I have some connection to my ethnic heritages, um, but I feel like there's an extent to which it's easy for me to sort of not really worry much about those experiences and those heritages because right. I, I'm not judged like the way your grandmother was like her being Irish was a very important part of her life mm-hmm. because of the way people saw her. Right. You and me having Irish or Celtic or any other kind of, um, <clears throat> you know, heritage isn't very important for us. You having no. some native American heritage is important for you because that is something that is looked at and discriminated against. Um, you know, so I do think there's a little bit of ways in which you or I might be able to feel less connected to that because of our privilege, or at least I would because of my privilege. But but the flip side is, you're right, I shouldn't speak for your experience. Um, and, and I think, to me, that's actually where identity politics becomes important. Because I think, you know, if you were just to stand up and say, here's what I say about, you know, why, why um, Iron Fist, you know, should or shouldn't be Asian, I, I might raise an eyebrow. For you to name your own experience and say, here's why I'm coming at this experience, you know, you, you are a martial artist. You've done Taekwondo for so many years. You know, you have that experience. You're, you're married to uh, a Chinese woman or Chinese-American woman. Like, I, 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 I'm, I'm not stating what you would state for your identity, but just like I, I can understand. Right, right. These are, these are facts. These are things. Right. I went to a high school that was 51% Asian, like when I, you know. I work with, uh, yeah. somewhere. I, I mean, again, those kind of like, it, there's a, a danger in the like, well, I've been experienced to it through someone else's experience. But, but I think like for me, I, I've talked a lot in this podcast just today about my experience as a disabled person, but I have a disab- disability that's often hidden. And so mm-hmm. if I'm wearing my prosthetic leg and I'm wearing long pants and you can't tell, and that particular day I'm walking okay, so I'm not using a cane or have a limp, I might stand in front of a room and say, let me tell you what disabled people should think. And people would really look at me funny. And I think it's right. kind of important for me to kind of name the fact that like, you know, you might not see like, well, first of all, 
there is something problematic in the fact that we would look at someone and assume that they're not disabled. Mm, yeah, I just but, recently read a good article on that. You know, and, and I think that this is the whole idea of like passing that that comes in a lot for people of color or for transgender people or for queer people or for, you know, um, disabled people. Um, so to me, like, I, I hear where you're coming from and I think you're right. And I, I think um, I should have been a little more careful about not assuming your own experience with those things. But I think that's, again, where identity politics to me becomes important because it's that idea of all of us claiming the idea that we should identify ourselves because none of us are the default, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's like that idea of, like, because of transgender uh, awareness, more and more people are, like, you know, saying in, in public gatherings and stuff, like, giving ch people a chance to identify themselves and include the pronouns that they would like to have used for them. Right. And it's really problematic to just have, like, the, the obviously transgender people be asked to do that. You know, that everyone should do that. Because to get away from the idea that, like, thinking, oh, we can just assume this person uses these kind of pronouns because of the way they're presenting. You know, mm -hmm. and to get away from any idea of the default. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's good. I, I think it, it's mostly something where I feel like there's a lot of positive that, yeah, it just, it's, it's not something that's easily communicated in 140 characters, right. you know? And so I'd say that possibly the majority of what the majority of people see, it's like, I don't know. It's like speaking in shorthand, right? Yeah. Where there might be an assumption of all of these subtleties when, when communicated between a bunch of people who have experience communicating uh, on these subjects and, and kind of understand certain ideas of like, well, this is really what we mean when we say this or that. Right. Um, yet there's a lot of other people who miss the shorthand and are like, well, what, you know? Um, and I can make a bunch of poker metaphors. I, I'll resist that <laughs> temptation, but basically anything you can do, there's always a lot of shorthand. Right. Well, and let me just go, go to the, what I never, the point I never got to make that not, not mm -hmm. anyone's fault. We just got so deep into the other, very important issues. So so all that's about why Iron Fist, like I said, I'm disappointed. It's an yeah. opportunity missed. And I'll be I'm gonna kind of be watching the show with a bit with a a little bit of a kind of like lens of of suspicion that I want to see do they address that issue in other ways. And hopefully they don't sort of play into that kind of racist cliche of like the white guy who learns about the the exotified foreign culture. But but here's the reason why Doctor Strange bothers me a lot more. Because like yeah. you said, there was an issue where they could have taken a positive action and they didn't. Yes. Here, they they specifically took a negative action. You know, right. it's not just that like they, they took an Asian character and made them like, – and they made them a woman and that that's an awesome thing. Um, but it's like specifically what we're talking about for people who don't know this controversy and it's been very well documented is that the in the original story of Doctor Strange, the, the character of the Ancient One is Tibetan. Um, and one of the biggest audiences for these movies is in China. Um, and right now the Chinese government is occupying the nation of Tibet. Um, and um, I mean, I would get very deep into the politics there, but the Chinese government does not want people doing things to remind the world that Tibet is, is a country with its own culture and with its own, you know, and that, that yeah. for a lot of people in Tibet, they would like to not be a part of China and would like to be their own independent country. Right. And China has made it very clear that things that like strongly feature Tibetan characters won't be shown to the Chinese audience, which is a huge part of the money making audience. Mm -hmm. um, 
and the people making Doctor Strange were pretty clear that that was at least a part of why they changed that character. Um, and so to me, that's a lot more problematic because now not yeah. only are we erasing a an Asian character and replacing it with a white one, we are replacing you know like I I don't want to get any issues of like you know woman you know advancing women and and you know but degrading people of color like that that's a very old trick that that oppressors can use to kind of pit those groups against each other. But but it being done in such a specific way, you know, to to like it's, it's not even a racism as much as it's about dealing with this political issue that I think is really problematic. Um, and so to me, I've, it's it's that kind of thing of like, am I really bothered by it? Yes. What am I going to do about it? Well, I'm going to see what happens. Like, if I'm the only person who who cares about it by the time, I'll go see the movie. If there's a call by people who care about this issue to boycott the movie, I may well join in. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to see how that plays out. But that. That's why, to me, and, but even if you put aside the China factor, still the like the, the, the taking away of a character who was Asian and making them a, per, a white person, that to me is going to be pretty problematic. Yeah, and and different and worse than taking a character who maybe you could have proactively made Asian American exactly. and not doing that. Exactly. Uh, so here's a question: What would have been worse, or? So they took. <laughs> this sounds they like a very a, bad idea. <laughs> but no, go ahead. No, it's it's. it's a, they took a, a character who was a Tibetan man and made him a white woman, right? Yep. Um. Would it have been worse to make that character a Chinese man, or a, or would it have been fine to make that character just kind of generically Asian and not actually mention, you know, nationality? at all i mean i feel like that would have been like i said i feel like there's two reasons why i object to what happened mm-hmm. one is the like the the whitewashing of, of the nation of tibet and the right. other is the whitewashing of an asian character right and so in what you're talking about you removed one of those problems but you still have the other so yeah and so, i kind of think you've made the other worse yeah if you've made them explicitly chinese oh oh yeah absolutely know, to like kowtow to the to the Chinese government. Yeah, I mean, because that's exactly what China wants, is the sort of, like, saying, like, no, there is no Tibet, they're all just Chinese. Um, right. Yeah, and so I, I, it's kind of like I said of the, like, you know, is is the badness of whitewashing an Asian character made up for by the idea of um, making the character a woman? I, I think that whole line of thinking is really problematic, because it, it gets into this idea of, like, pitting different oppressions against each other. Mm-hmm. Um but so, yeah, so I think actually the point you're making is, is a really important one of like making it generic. The, the character being Tibetan is so central and the idea that the Tibetan identity is such is, is quite literally one that is under attack. Yeah. You know, anything that's not that is is problematic, to be sure. OK, well, to wrap things up, I thought we'd um, talk about that Facebook meme. <laughs> Which one? There's the the thing where. Oh. There's only one. There's one Facebook meme. <laughs> are we They're talk about, all the same. Are we the meme about, is are we a picture with Pepe X the Frog. We are not going to talk about <laughs> Pepe Le, Le Pew. Um, I guess Pepe's like a really no Pepe, Pepe Le Pew. Is I know, Pepe. I know the frog. Yeah, you know. I, I've seen people posting these <laughs> really anti-white supremacist memes with Pepe the Frog, and then people like, but that has Pepe the Frog on it. <laughs> so dumb <laughs> anyway so what's what's your meme you want to talk about um so no the the one with the where people take three fictional characters that they think you know describe oh, yeah. themselves 
Yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I, there's a great identity point. I was thinking about this for a while, but go ahead. Yeah, and and I actually I have a friend who made the point recently um, about, um, you know, if you had to only choose people of color, like for for like white people or whatever, and right. and I, I guess. Uh, Anyway, I, I found it interesting to see what percentage of my friends kind of chose characters who looked like them and kind of who didn't. And, and I, I wasn't too surprised that some people didn't and that certain people didn't and certain people did. Um, but why don't, why don't you give us your, your th the three characters that you chose? Because, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of really great fictional characters. Oh, you're putting me on the spot because I still haven't really narrowed it down oh, to my three yet. <laughs> All right, well... Um, well, I, yeah. I, I'd say so, um, uh, yeah, I, I, um, so probably Watson, um, is, okay, yeah. and, and you being Sherlock is not coincidental in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's definitely one, um, um, uh, Hank Moody from Californication mm. is probably going to be a second one, um, mm -hmm. just because a lot of my own sort of stuff that I've been dealing with in terms of like my own, uh, uh, uh I've gone on a long journey with depression and, and, and dealing with a lot of stuff that uh, Hank Mooney's character really speaks to me about. Um, and yeah, I don't have a third yet. Um, and I, okay. I'm thinking about it and, and well, and so what I will say though, in relation to it is what I have noticed is, and I wonder if this is partially true for myself, I have seen a lot of people, um, I'll just say Foggy Nelson for a third because that, right, that right, one right. does perfectly fit me. Yeah. Um, Though he does overlap a little with Watson in a way that I could see where yeah. you might want to try and find a third character that kind of rounded out other aspects of your personality. But obviously, you know, I, I think of I, I think Foggy fits great. Yeah. Well, and, and, and here's the thing. A, a lot of the third ones would probably be female ones because a mm -hmm. lot of like a big part of my identity is of, like. You know, I cook meals for people, and I'm hospitality is a huge thing in my life. Right. Um, and I host, and so actually, like the um, I can't remember so, her name, but I Mrs. I think it's Mrs. Flanagan, like the the housekeeper from uh, Facts of Life was one mm -hmm. that I was actually very seriously considering. <laughs> right. um, cool. But 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 I what I noticed, and I think I'm probably even seeing it myself. I've seen a lot of people cross racial lines in who they think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've seen very very few people cross gender lines. Yeah. Um, and I think that's interesting. I think that there's something interesting there about like, who are the people we can let ourselves identify, you know, I can identify quite a lot with Han Solo, you know, even though I don't fly a starship, <laughs> right, um, right. you know, um, but it's weird. But then I would say like, but, but it's weird for me to think about identifying with a woman, even though like, yeah, that person, I don't share one major life experience. That's a huge identity thing, but we might share other things, you know? And like, right. I think this whole question of, like, who do you identify with, ra A, it raises some really interesting questions, but it also, I think, it, it does really hit this question of privilege again in that um, part of that is that I have the privilege of, like, I've always felt default, you know? Like, mm. I, I can identify with a person of a different race or a different gender because I have not been told all my life that my race and my gender are essential to my personality. Right. Um, so, so, yeah. So that that's where I would come with. Um but what about you? What, who are your three, and, and, and what's your point with this? Okay, so first I'll, I'll respond to the last thing you said, which is I, I think I've only noticed about four of my friends crossing gender lines, but only sort of crossing gender lines. Um, I, I mean, I have one friend who picked two animals uh -huh. <laughs> and then a woman in a fur coat, which I thought was interesting. Okay. Um, but then I, I, I have, uh, I have one 
gay male friend who chose three women. Interesting. Uh, and then maybe two other friends who, who chose uh, two women who chose either all men or one man, one male character or whatever. Um, and I certainly didn't see that many people crossing racial lines either. Um, wow. But I, I mean, I'll say like some of the characters that came to mind first were like white dudes, you know, yep. like I could have picked three Matt Damon characters, you know, Mike <laughs> McDee, Mark Watney and Jason Bourne, yep. you know, like I could have just done that. I also could have picked three golden girls like uh, Rose, um, not Blanche, uh, Sophia and Dorothy. And I thought about doing that as a joke. And, you know, I had three villains. I was like, well, Dexter would look cool. Yep. But then when I really thought about it, I was like, what do I want to actually like go for as far as like what I think really represents me right? Uh, in terms of like really like at the core. Right. Um, and so the first one was uh, Drista Erden, who's a, a dark elf uh-huh. <laughs> from the Forgotten Realms. Um who grew up in a world where nothing like society didn't make any sense to him. You know, he's a very empathic character who um, was just like, this is not the way I want to live. So he left and, you know, he's a ranger. So he's into like, you know, the wilderness and stuff. He's also a total badass, you know, and, and I mean, he's an elf. And whenever I was interacting with the D and D world and basically any capacity, the elves were always the ones I could relate to. Like, I was like, why would why would I want to be a human if I could be an elf? You know. <laughs> Whereas I'm all like, Gimli is definitely one of the ones I might identify right. with because I'm such a dwarf. But right. go on. <laughs> for, sure. for sure, you know. But so that's sort of where the like, you know, like I mean, he's he's like blacker than black humans, right? right. I mean, like drow elves are this is fantasy fictional race, and and there's some horribly racist things about the you know within fantasy fiction that like all the dark elves are supposed to be evil. And it's like, wait, right. what? Um, but you know, he's a character who grows up in a society that's like that and he rejects it. And, you know, I, I think in, in a lot of ways, he's actually a really cool character in terms of letting a lot of, you know, fantasy readers have this dark skin character that they look up to, that they aspire to. And that, you know, the, the things that I admire most about him, aside from his ambidexterity, which I relate to, um, are that he's always questioning authority, but he's always also questioning himself. Right. You know, he's never looking to someone else for moral guidance. He's always saying, what do I think I should do? You know, and as much as when I whenever I talk about morality or ethics, it's basically like, you know, my only loyalty is to my own conscience. You know, I, I always feel like I want to decide what I think I should do and then try to do that. And, you know, sometimes fail. But um but then the second character I chose was Aang from uh, the the Last Airbender, Avatar: The Last Airbender, not from the movie, from the <laughs> TV show, which was awesome, as opposed to the movie, which is terrible. Um, and I mean, you could say that he's actually kind of racially ambiguous. He's certainly culturally, um, you know, he's a monk. He's like basically right. like a, a um, you know, like a Shaolin monk or whatever. Uh, and, and he. But the the things about him that I really relate to are he's very serious about like he feels like he's supposed to help the world and stuff. But he's also just like really super goofy. Right. You know, and then he's also very empathic and he tries to find nonviolent or less violent solutions to problems. He tries not to kill his enemies. Um, and I mean, I think he pretty much succeeds almost all the time. Uh, but, you know, for well, anyway, uh, but. 
and and you know he's a vegetarian which like mm-hmm. yeah i relate to that probably more than almost any other characteristic that a character could have but well, um, and and that i think actually is a great example of sort of 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 where this is coming from is that you know your a lot of the parts of your identity you've never had to th- or many people like you i can only speak for you right. but might not have had to think very much about but yeah. your your veganism is a your vegetarian or veganism is yeah. a very big part of your identity that you you do spend a lot more time like being aware of the fact that you are different than the norm you know right. and that the norm right. isn't built for you you know mm-hmm. um and and so it, it makes a lot of to me like in the same way like i might well a black woman in a wheelchair has a fundamentally different experience of disability than i do and i would never claim that that's not the case but right. still that that experience could be one I, I might relate to in a way, you know. Right. Um, and you might relate to it more than you might relate to like a Mark Watney or whatever. Right. Exactly. When I, yeah, I think that that's I, I think I think this is the point you were getting at is I think. Or you it, might not. But, you know. but I think that one of the things I think it becomes so important about identity is like often our identity is formed in the places where identity is challenged. You know, mm, like yeah, yeah. the things that we're able. Then that's like. I use the word privilege a lot because I think it's a great word and I don't think there's anything wrong. You know, there's nothing we hear privilege as an accusation so often. It's not a bad thing. It's just, it's good to think about like my whiteness hasn't had to be a big part of my identity. I've had to consciously make it one because of that. Um, Whereas my disability has been, or even like, you know, in some settings, oddly enough, my Christianity has been an an important part of my identity Mm -hmm. because I travel in places where my Christianity makes me a minority. No, right, right. I'm still that's still set against the larger picture of the of like you know Christian supremacy in our world. So I'd never say like you know oh poor me because of it, but it's made it a more important part of my identity. Um, yeah, and and I mean it, yeah, if you hang out largely with you know liberal sciency, uh, you know East Coast whatever sorts, like you're, I generally operate under the assumption that everyone's atheist. Yeah. Until proven <laughs> otherwise, you know, even though like that's a distinct minority in, in, you know, most of the world, certainly the West, you know, the U S I mean, again, just going back to the, the, the show we're ostensibly talking about today, um, Luke Cage, you know, that's, mm. I probably living in the mostly geeky, very like educated, very liberal worlds that I travel in. The two parts of my identity that are most often questioned are my Christianity and my fanatical sports fandom. Um, <laughs> and that's yeah. again, like the term sports, like, you know, the number of times where people are like, oh, hey, let's go do this cool thing on Sunday. Do you want to join us? And I'm like, there's a football game on. I'm I every time. Well, and like and it's funny because, it, you know, generally people are like, let's go do this thing Sunday morning. I'm in church. Right. Really? Right. Yeah. I was the last 10 times you asked. Yeah. Oh, so your Sundays are spoken for is what you're trying to say. <laughs> Pretty much. But yeah. But again, it's why that that scene at the beginning of Luke Cage matters so much to me. Speaking mm-hmm. of which. We have now spent two and a half hours not watching Luke Cage, um, which I think is great use of time and terrible use of time. So tell me your third one, and then let's let's probably start to wrap up. Oh, so you're the moderator now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just, you're doing a bad job. Very great, good. You're very doing a great good. job of moderating, but but no, yeah, Luke, but a terrible job of time management. <laughs> um, yeah, so the third one is Bones. And I also yeah. had an idea of the joke of having like three Boneses. Right. There's a uh, Ray Barboni from uh, Get Shorty. There's I'm not a doctor or damn it, Jim, whatever. Anyway, yep. Carl Urban did it pretty well. Um, that was like the only good thing in the last uh, <laughs> Star Trek movie. But uh, but, you know, um, Temperance Brennan Bones from the TV show Bones. 
which has gone on too many seasons, but in the beginning I thought was amazing. And she's one of my favorite characters. And, you know, so obviously I thought of Sherlock, right? Because I felt like I wanted three characters, one who kind of, like, represented some of, like, my rage and my, like, questioning the world and, like, sort you know, someone who who wielded two swords. Uh And then I wanted a character who kind of had covered, like, my sort of wackiness and such. And then I wanted a character who was, you know, very intellectual. And not not just because they're they're brilliant, but because they um, really identify with with looking at the world in this as objectively as possible and trying to be a rational actor, you know, and trying to, to not let emotion rule them, you know, right. and, and Sherlock's very much like that, you know, and he's also a sociopath and, <laughs> you know, a highly functioning sociopath, which like I kind of relate to. I mean, I mentioned I could put Dexter on a list, but then I thought about it and not only did I like really want to have one female character in the three, because I don't feel like completely male. Like I don't buy into the gender binary of, Mm -hmm. you know, all these male characteristics are male and all these female characters are female and that people should line up this way or that way. But mostly like she's a vegan, you know, and like she's empathic in a way that Sherlock really isn't. Right. Um, And, and she eats the same kind of soy ice cream that I used to eat, but now they don't even make it that much anymore. It's really hard to find, but they got the cashew stuff. I bet she switched over to the cashew, but like, really, you know, I, I find that that character, I identify with that character as much as, you know, almost any other character. And so for me, you know, she was kind of like Sherlock plus, I was like, you know, so, um, yeah, I was actually in the intro. I was going to say to Angela to my bones, but then I I thought that would... (laughs) I don't know. It's just if bones wasn't a word, it might have worked out better. But it sounded it just felt a little. Yeah, no, no I would have trouble identifying as Angela. Um, I just don't yeah. think I look that good, if nothing else. But, oh well, um, you know, um, you do. But yeah, but but yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I like to me, that's again where like you know you started talking about that. And my first thought was like, well, of course you're male, so you 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 get to like not identify much with maleness. But then actually, what you said, I'm like, no, getting out of the gender binary. I mean, I've certainly felt that a lot of like. I, I identify as cisgender, but also I think it's much more of a kind of Kinsey scale continuum than it is just those three dynamic qualities. Um, you know, I, I, I've got a very good friend who's actually helping me a lot um, uh, to prepare for a, um, uh, an upcoming um, steampunk event that he's helping mm-hmm. me, like, you know, figure out what to wear for. And he far and away has the best, you know, dress sense of any guy that I know. And he wears a lot of dresses and, and, and clothing that is often associated with women. But, like, right. he and I have had some great conversations about how he's, like, he doesn't identify as, like, a, a cross gesture by any means. Like, he doesn't wear women's clothing because he's a man and he's putting right. them on. So, clearly, like, they're his clothes, you know? Right, right, um, right, right. And, and I, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to wrap this up in the next five minutes. So, you know, two, two, the two of us trying <laughs> to um, uh, um, discuss all of uh, transgender politics is probably a bad idea. But, but I, I think that makes sense. Within that kind of context, the... The, the why why that character makes sense for you, uh, you know, it, it works. But I think it also further illustrates all the stuff we're talking about about how we shape our identity. Um, and having discussed it a little more, I'll now give you my three, and then let's actually wrap up. Um, okay. I would definitely choose Watson, and I think it's in in part it is sort of like what you were saying is that in in my favorite version of it, the the modern British BBC one, 
Watson is often the one with Doctor Strange in it. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, the the Benedict Cumberbatch and um, uh, he's often kind of portrayed as the wife to Sherlock in some interesting mm. ways. And I, there that part of what you're saying about the gender kind of you know he's a man and he has no doubts about that, but he's playing the more stereotypically female role in their relationship. Right. Um, and I like that he's kind of Sherlock's translator. You know that he is. Yeah. I, I've often felt like that's a that's an ability that I have to sort of like help people who have incredible ideas, like, translate them to the world. Um, mm-hmm. And just his frustration often with that, um, you know, um, is, is, one that I, is one that I really relate to. Um, Sam Axe is probably going to be my, my second. Um, mm. And again, there th- there's, a, there's a fact of, like, Sam, like you know, I, 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 I identify with a lot of sidekicks, clearly. Right, um, right, right. You know, Watson to Sherlock, Foggy to Daredevil, Sam Axe from Burn Notice to Michael Weston. But there's also to me, Sam Axe has a much, you know, he's he he's much more playful and he's much more kind of like like he's a bigger guy, he's a heavier guy, but he carries it well. He yeah. loves a good beer, he loves a good steak, and he has a real sense of like fun and adventure. But he's also one of the most loyal characters that I've ever seen, and he really yeah, has he a sense of like honor and like doing the right thing, um, and of kind of being Michael Weston's conscience in mm-hmm. a way that really kind of appeals to me from the, from like that kind of element. Um, uh, and then the last one is Fozzie Bear, because um, I just <laughs> any anyone who has suffered through my love of bad, terrible jokes, um, right. but also just I mean I think part of what Fozzie is is I mean he's the character who he tells all these jokes because he loves it, but also because he's obviously someone who has deep insecurity, and often sees con- like he often will tell a terrible joke to get Miss Piggy and Kermit to stop fighting, you know, mm, and that's something yeah. I oh. really love is that idea yeah, that of like. Deep. Yeah, the, the, yeah, see, you know, uh, and he's also a ginger like me, so. Right. Yep, those are my three. I, I like that you've identified Fozzie Bear as a ginger like you. <laughs> like, like, passing up the, like, he's a bear, you know, which well, is cool. No, like, I dig that. I, I mean, like, is it that this is how we're, you know, like, I'm crossing a species line, but still right. there's a way in which we can, we, we can find identity together. Yeah, so, we're. Ginger, gingers being, by the way, a very oppressed social group. I will have you, you know. Yeah, that, I mean that's I I put hair color in there, you know. Yeah. That was uh, that was fifth after all the you know. We big have ones. we have no souls, <laughs> as people are, are fond to say. So. Right. Um. Yeah. So I guess we'll wrap <laughs> it up. <laughs> I'm having. I, was, I I always feel like closing these is the hardest thing, and I was about to do it. And I was like, no, he's the moderator. I'm gonna let him do it. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Go ahead, so, Sherlock. Post the blog post. Wait, Watson does the blog post. Normally, Sherlock just solves the crime. That's okay? the point. Today, you're the moderator. Then again, then again, Bones is the writer. So that was another thing. Yeah, you know, she's also a writer. Um, okay, uh, this has uh, been what? Are, what do we call the superhero ethics <laughs> podcast? <laughs> Our episode on identity politics, representation, and uh, touching the third rail. And um, I'm. Paul Christopher Hoppy, aka Jen. Oh, you have heard all that stuff. Uh, you can find me at Zen Madman on Twitter or ZenMadman.com on you know the World Wide Web. Uh, and Matthew, why don't you uh, tell them where to find your stuff? <laughs> sure, which my is name, our stuff. My, my name is Matthew Westfox. Um, you can find uh, everything about this podcast and our the larger blog that it's also a part of at superheroethics.com. You can also search for superhero ethics on Facebook or on Twitter or on iTunes to subscribe to the podcast. Um, and I'd say 
you, you know, Paul and I clearly love talking about these things, and we will talk forever about them. Um, and both of us will probably spend far too much time on Facebook. And so please distract us, tweet at us, send us Facebook messages. Um, we, we would love to um, continue these discussions. Tell us what you think. Tell us where we were totally wrong. Tell us, you know, your opinions on Luke Cage. Um, would love to hear them on any of those. No opinions. spoilers. No spoilers, though. Please, 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 no spoilers. We're going to be trying to watch, like, so just keep it. If you're talking to us about Luke Cage, uh, episode one. Um, but yeah, uh, and, and tell your friends, because I think this is a great discussion we're having. I think it's an important discussion we're having. And I've been st starting to see more people contribute, and I think that's fantastic. Um, and I would love to get more. So give us a review on iTunes, share the links on Facebook, you know, retweet us on Twitter, let people know. Um, thanks so much. Uh, Paul, uh, I assume you're going to go watch more Luke Cage. I certainly am. Thank you for uh, taking part in this. Any last words? Uh, my pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I'd say also, you know, maybe if in the comments or wherever people post things on the Internet, uh, you know, talk to us about the characters that you relate to and yeah. maybe early ones that have had kind of an effect on you. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, love to hear about it. That'd be awesome. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a good day. Cheers.